I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, a two-way talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics. And make sure you tune in each week at rapidfireradio.us. And now you can also call the Rapid Fire line. It's 508-444-2120. You can text the Rapid Fire line as well. And if we are not broadcasting live at the time of your call, you can leave a message. Just remember to leave your name, uh, where you're from, and what your question is, and we'll get to your uh, question on the air. It is 508-444-2120. And remember to like and subscribe to all of our social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks everywhere except for Instagram, where it's CGW underscore backup. Uh, we are fighting the deep platform meta universe on that front. So hopefully you can find us anyway at CGW underscore backup on all on Instagram and at Cape Gunworks everywhere else. So we got an action packed show for you today. Um, we're really happy you're here. There's lots to talk about. Uh, some of the breaking news of the day is that the HR 1808 assault weapons ban has been put on ice. So that means it's not going to make it out of the committee. And uh, Jared from Guns and Gadgets has reported that it is DOA as of right now. Um, they have done some internal closed door hearings and or meetings and realized that they don't have the votes to pass it. Surprise, surprise. Like, are you kidding me that the average uh, voter in America has, uh, you know, been sitting idly by while their government officials has wanted to erase one of their enumerated rights here in the uh, People's Republic of the United States or the Constitutional uh, Republic of the United States. So it's amazing to me that uh, people thought that this would be a good idea, like that they would have a huge support base for this. And really, they only needed two Republicans to vote with it and four Democrats to not uh, dissent. So that didn't seem like a hard task. But if you look at how many are up for re-election, um, how many people are up for re-election, it must have started to come home to roost. We know after the 94 assault weapons ban that went into effect, which was not as broad or far-reaching as this one, um, a lot of... It actually changed the makeup of the Congress in the midterm elections following that. And so I remember Bill Clinton even going out and saying, a lot of those, you know, representatives lost their jobs for standing up for the assault weapons ban. And this is my bad, you know, impersonation of Bill Clinton, by the way. Um, but 
basically he acknowledged that they lost their job in the midterm elections because they voted for the assault weapons ban. And I think there's a lot of people up for re-election uh, this midterm elections, and they probably started hearing from their constituents because you people did a phenomenal job calling your uh, congressmen and senators. And if you haven't called, still call because they need to hear. Like they're they're already talking about resurrecting this um, in August when the at, when they come back for break from break. So don't think it's going away. I do think they are going to change it, and I. Yesterday, after the Grace Curley show that we were on, the Grace Curley show for Two um, A Tuesday, we were. I was just t- talking, kind of off script for a while, and saying, "What is the advantage to them going on record and voting up or down something as far-reaching as this assault weapons ban?" I think there was nineteen pages of guns that were enumerated on the uh, assault weapons ban. And the last assault weapons ban of 94 had six. So not six pages, six guns that were named and, you know, banned by name. Even though some guns were functionally exactly the same or, uh, you know, largely the same result, like the Mini 14, et cetera, et cetera. And the funniest part is, uh, they really went after features instead of actual guns. And so if your gun had two or more of these features, it would be banned, whether it was named or not. But uh, So manufacturers adjusted how they had to build guns and manufacture guns, which made no difference whatsoever. Like, it's the same gun. It just may or may not have a flash hider, may or may not have a collapsible stock, which just makes it um, more comfortable to shoot. But the bottom line is... It is a restriction on the law abiding. It is a restriction on the responsible gun owner. And it is not going to do a lick of good at reducing violent crime. But I would propose that even if it did, let's just say all of a sudden Chicago became Plano, Texas, right? Like if Chicago, the criminals laid down their guns after this you know, proposed gun ban went through. It would only, again, it would restrict the law abiding to the point where that is a restriction on basic human freedoms. And our founders acknowledge the right to self-defense is the first law of nature. And even look at it in nature where like the creator equips animals with certain defense mechanisms, right? Skunks have a nasty spray. Um, Antelope have horns. Uh, Deer have antlers. Uh, You know, rams have um, horns as well. And it's the law of tooth, fang, and claws, Ted Nugent likes to put it. And it's true. Like, you know, even though predators... uh, go after prey the prey have defense mechanisms like they're not just going to always get eaten otherwise that would go away so rabbits run fast and change direction fast and you know gazelles can run fast and um etc etc so 
they all have defense mechanisms, so it is the law of tooth, fang, and claw, but the law of probability is that no predator is going to be 100% successful all of the time, right? But they also have a fighting chance at um, defending themselves. And the logic here is that we should take the rabbit and cut a foot off. Or more specific, we should take a antelope and cut its you know horns off. Or... Um, take a water buffalo and cut its horns off. You know what I mean? So basically that's the logic behind gun control is take the people who are law abiding people, responsible uh, gun owners and take their means of defense away so that only the predator or the predatory evil person has gun because they don't fear breaking the law. That's what they do for a living. They are a career criminal or they're violent criminal offenders. And therefore the teeth of the law have, you know, no threat to them. Really, they just don't want their victims to be armed and able to defend themselves. So if you're not willing to, uh, if you would never make that argument, like we need to round up antelope and cut their horns off for their own self-defense or for their own safety, because they could hurt each other. They could poke an eye out with that thing well that doesn't make sense right no one advocates that in nature so the same thing with our founders advocating that the most basic law of nature is the law of self-defense or self-preservation and the best way to do that is to be able to keep and bear arms i think it was genius and uh so we want to thank you for listening to rapid fire if you use this week's code it's luger l-u-g-e-r at capegunworks.com. You're going to get a very special discount on your online order. So go to capegunworks.com and use the discount code LUGER to get your special discount today. This is Rapid Fire. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Federal ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's Federal Ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal Ammunition, a century of innovation, and we're only getting started. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And uh, don't forget, you can call the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And speaking of Rapid Fire line, let's go to the calls right now. I I just don't understand. um, Now, if I've got uh, tickets on the car or something like that, I didn't pay my ticket, so i got to find uh, could they use that against me not to get a permit? Um, I just don't understand what's going on because it doesn't really matter what a person does as long as they didn't harm anyone. 
uh, even a felony. Uh, that, to me, that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Everybody should have the right to protect themselves, regardless of the situation. Unless, of course, they're uh, nutcases. You know, they belong in a mental institution. But other than that, there should be no no restrictions on any weapon you have. Yeah, I agree, Charles, and thank you for the call. Um, the bottom line is. Anything can be used against you in this day and age to prevent you from getting a gun license. So if you don't pay a ticket and it ends up going to a bench warrant, it'll definitely prevent you from getting a license or at least passing a background check. Um, There are trigger mechanisms. In fact, one time a guy came into our shop to buy a gun and he had his LTC and he plunked it down and we got, you know, started the 4473 and the paperwork, et cetera. And then all of a sudden uh, he was denied and he's like, what do you mean I'm denied? And then he, I said, I don't know. You got to f- check it out with the FBI and blah, blah, blah. I gave him the number and he left. About five minutes later, I get a call from the uh, FBI. They say, is Joe Schmo still there? He just tried to buy a gun, right? I'm like, yeah, he did. And they're like, you need to call the local police department right now. I'm like, holy smokes, this is this is pretty serious. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> I call the police and say, Joe Schmo was just in here. His you know, license number, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking we got some big time fish on the line here. And they uh, they say, thanks so much for the call. And they that was the last I hear of it. Next thing you know, the next day, the guy shows up and he goes, all right, I, I'm just here to pick up that gun. And I go, oh, well, wait a minute. What happened yesterday? I'm like, the FBI called. I had to call the local police, blah, blah, blah. He goes, yeah, they tracked me down. Um, I had an unpaid parking ticket that they issued a bench warrant for. I had no idea I even ha- I didn't even know I had it. Like, he had no clue. So he paid the, <laughs> he paid the parking ticket. And he goes, I should be good to go now. And I'm like, what? Like, this is nuts. He was given a deny on his 4473. And so I call the local chief and I'm like, chief, seriously, this guy good to go? And he's like, yeah, he's good. He paid his ticket. He's good to go. So run. He goes, sell him the gun. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to sell him the gun. I do it. And sure enough, he passed the 4473. I couldn't believe it. But so, yeah, anything like that is going to prohibit you or inhibit you from acting on your right to keep and bear arms. And you bring up a good point how even a felony, I would agree if it's a nonviolent felony, okay, if it was a um, a crime that you committed that did not, it wasn't an act of violence or rape or, you know, some serious crime where you don't deserve to be walking out on the street anyway. Um, I have this new theory I've been working through my mind that if you're not, if we can't trust you with a gun, why should you be walking the streets? We shouldn't trust you on the streets because you could just get another gun illegally. You obviously have a propensity toward crime that you don't, um, and you're obviously too violent to interact with society with a gun. So therefore, um, I think if you're if we can't trust you with a gun, then you shouldn't be walking the streets. Now, obviously, that changes the bar of what is, you know, trust with a gun really mean? Like, because right now, government wouldn't trust you with a gun if you had a check kiting, you know, charge against you if you 
wrote a check that bounced and somebody challenged it in court, that's a felony, right? If it's over $250. So that therefore you could be banned for life from ever owning firearms because your account was overdrawn. And I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying, is that really like a, a crime that we should be uh, denying people their natural human right? Tell us what you think, though. Call or text 508-444-2120. Um, we'll get to your questions on the chat. I appreciate it. It's a very active chat today. But I really wanted to get to the news of the day real quick. Um, and uh, we have that... Um, like I said, Jared from uh, Guns and Gadgets has announced that HR 1808 is DOA, but also he released another video that HR 2814 is also been put on ice, which is good news. So this was a bill that would make it so a victim of gun violence, if if you will, quote unquote gun violence, could now sue the gun manufacturer for damages. So in other words, if the manufacturer produces a constitutionally protected product and legally sells that gun through distribution and through local dealer to an end user, and that gun somehow, whether it be stolen or sold or, um, you know, something other, some other way it ended up in the hands, maybe, uh, it wasn't protected properly and ended up in the hands of somebody who shouldn't have that gun and used it in a crime or to commit an act of violence, then the victims could then turn around and sue the manufacturer and probably everyone along the way, the distributor and the uh, dealer, et cetera, which makes zero sense. If you think about it, when whenever somebody uh, you know breaks the law with any object, it never makes sense to sue the manufacturer for the act of the criminally insane. So in other words, Louisville Slugger could now be held liable under this thought process or the logical conclusion of this for anyone who uses a bat, a Louisville Slugger bat, in a homicide, right? If they beat someone to death, then the victim of that or the family of the victim of that crime could then turn around and sue the manufacturer of the bat. Because that's that's paramount of, or that's uh, a parallel illustration. You can't just all of a sudden say, "Yeah, but it's a gun, right?" Yeah, it's a gun. It's a tool. Can be used for good or evil, but it has nothing to do with the manufacturer. They produced a constitutionally protected product that was sold legally through the proper channels. All the record keeping was done. And then some psychopath used it in a, in a crime. How is that the manufacturer's fault? We don't hold Honda or Toyota or General Motors accountable when people use cars illegally and kill people or injure people. Um, we don't. It, it just doesn't happen. Uh, and we're not talking about like Consumer Protection Act stuff. We're talking about... Um, we're talking about... Um, people being able to have literal like reparations for something that has nothing to do with the manufacturer. But that is the logic between people who hate guns. And we were talking about this a little bit yesterday after the Grace Curley show as well, and on the show, um, that the people who hate guns will 
pull out all the stops. They don't need logic on their side. They don't need reason on their side because they can try to whip you up into an emotional argument about guns. Um, I actually had this morning on our uh, Cape Gunworks Facebook page. I'm going to pull it up for you guys because it's quite interesting. Um, A woman posted, and it's a little lengthy, so bear with me, posted on a picture of our gun cabinet at the shop that have uh, what we would call modern sporting rifles on it. There's a Springfield Hellion. There's a, um, I think, a uh, FN Scar. There's some other guns that were legally able to sell here in Massachusetts. Uh, Maybe a pre-ban AR was in the picture. And uh, this woman says, and I I have challenged her to call me personally. I would like to have her call me, and I I will have this conversation with her. But I'm also going to drop a link to what I'm about to say in this chat so that she can go back and watch it. Um, I'm going to read her post. It says, when I look at this picture, all I can think of is the dead children. I am a gun owner, so I understand the right to bear arms. It's hard for me to understand what you would use this weapon for. The fact that cops are afraid of these weapons says a lot about them. We are supposed to support cops, aren't we? I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm really trying to understand what you are thinking about the necessity of having these on the streets. Would people on this site be willing to change the age limit for just the assault weapon style uh, style weapons. It appears that most of these people are under 21. Giving them a few years to understand themselves may help. I agree it's not the weapon, it's the person behind it, but until we can find a way to monitor the mental health of people doing something is better than doing nothing. I don't know how stronger mental health laws would work since eight, most 18 to 20 year olds don't have private insurance and can't get mental health counseling. If they can get this age group, isn't it isn't likely to use it utilize it excuse me it just seems that it's going around and around in the meantime so many children are being killed as a mother who lost a daughter at 19 years of age by a drunk driver i know the agony and the ptsd that these parents and the young kids that are in school when this is happening will have i am originally from massachusetts i have a brother who is a retired cop from middleborough and myself and three siblings have worked in corrections When I saw this group, I couldn't stop myself from taking a look. I hope that someone reading this can have a civil conversation because I'd really like to understand it. Somebody replied to her from my um, staff and said, CGW is a facility who advocates situational awareness, safe safe firearms handling, self-defense, and first aid for the purpose of saving lives. Thank you for any of your ongoing support. We understand your apprehension. So she replied and said, Is that working? Have you been able to stop someone? It's so multifaceted. And then I replied, guns are used one and a half to two and a half million times a year in America to stop a threat most of the time without a shot being fired. There's so much to talk about as it relates to your comment. I would be happy to talk to you on the phone. I left my contact information. And here's what I'm going to say to that point. She she did raise a huge amount of issues. and um, And so... The, the bottom line is, number one, we should never punish the responsible law-abiding people of this country for the crimes and heinous acts of evil or mentally deranged people. Um, none of us would be okay with that. In other words, laying the blame at the people who aren't responsible's feet for the crime and the criminal acts of the people who are responsible. Our court systems, our attorneys generals, our... 
um, system that we have in place are letting the public down is from a public safety standpoint by allowing violent felons to continually be out on the street on bail or no bail or a low sentencing guideline, you know, or a change of sentencing guidelines or getting out on good behavior. We say it a lot and I'll say it again. 95% of all violent crime is a repeat offender. 95%. So that brings me back to the earlier segment where if I can't trust you with a gun, I personally don't think you should be on the street. And if you have had a past with an OUI or a um, some nonviolent felony, I would like to see your rights restored. I don't think it should be a scarlet letter for the rest of your life. Like people change. Um, but we'll talk about this more in the in the later on in the show. But next we have rapid fire Rachel. So you don't want to miss out on this conversation with her. And don't forget, we're headed for a break. But if you go to capegunworks.com, use the discount code Luger to be rewarded as a Rapid Fire radio listener. This is Rapid Fire. We will be right back. Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. All right, welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And I'm really happy to have on the line with us and virtually uh, Rachel B. from Rapid Fire. Rachel, how are you today? I am doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me on here. When y'all emailed me, I was pretty excited just to see the name of this show because obviously Rapid Fire Rachel needs to be on Rapid Fire. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely going to happen at some point because, you know... (laughs) 
like meteors out in the cosmos finally meeting so and that's how we found you because we were googling our own name like who does that you know <laughs> so no it was great and we love your content i follow the page and check out the gun of the day and all that stuff so it's really interesting content so real quick what is your handle if people want to follow you on instagram or Facebook. So Instagram, I am uh, Rachel B three three three, and every other platform, Rapid Fire Rachel should pull me up. Okay, cool. Now, how come it's different from Instagram? Just a so, curiosity. It, well, so Instagram, I started um, just you know to have an Instagram. I really mm-hmm. didn't. I'm really not big into social media. Um, it's kind of funny how this all happened, but I just made an Instagram, Rachel B three 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 name and a number I like and. You didn't, I just didn't want to change it after that. Got so built following under that name, um, rapid fire, Rachel was born somewhere Got in it. the timeline of that. And yeah, just kept the name. All right. I didn't know if it was something like us that we got deplatformed on Instagram and then, you know, had to go CGW underscore backup. So, um, we do have our rapid fire stuff now, rapid us and rapid fire radio, et cetera. But anyway, uh, topic for another day. So, um, <laughs> You are obviously a gun enthusiast and a influencer who's got her finger on the pulse of what's going on in the gun community, as it seems from your social media posts and your videos and stuff. So what is it that you do really that, you know, kind of gets you up every day and in the gun industry? Why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself and how you got into it? Yeah, so um, really, I mean, really, I was born into it. This has been such a big part of my life from the beginning. Um started as my dad's hobby. He obviously took myself and my siblings out to the range growing up. So we quite literally grew up at the range. And then somewhere along the lines of my teenage years, I took a little more interest into guns. And then he took me to Knob Creek, um, which was this crazy machine gun shoot out in Kentucky. Um, And I was in love. Um, Right before that, he let me shoot a machine gun too. So I was hooked. He, uh, he knew the right way to hook, hook me. Um, yeah, after that first event in Knob Creek, um, I went with him twice a year, every year until they canceled it this past fall. Um, so along with doing all that, you know, you post things on social media here and there and somewhere, um, along that journey, I, I gained a following, um, and people started taking an interest in what I was doing in some of my journeys. So now, I, I guess more than anything, I'm just a freedom-loving American woman that is enjoying sharing my passion with firearms and um, helping and encouraging people to take an act- active interest in their own personal protection. Nice. And do you do you think that just by you know being in the industry as a woman that you've been able to have some influence over other women who are maybe curious or you know wouldn't maybe normally walk into a gun store or start talking about guns, but they see you and they say, Hey, maybe there is something here that I could participate in. Have you, have you been able to help other women, you know, get active in the shooting sports? I, yeah, I really have. And it's really, it always feels extra great when you get an email or a comment or a message from a woman that's asking, you know, have you tried this? What works best for you? Can you give me some ideas of different gear that I could use that would work with uh, my body type? It's, it's been really cool to be able to help people. And um, I actually did my first like appearance at um, NRA's annual meeting. Mm. Ron Ellis had me in their booth and I had two little girls come up and ask for my autograph and I could have cried. Like <laughs> these two girls actually 
like their face lit up when they saw me and I was like, I'm starstruck now. I can't believe right. you want my autograph. Yeah, that's cool. great. It was the sweetest thing, but it it means a lot when little girls or other women are asking you questions. Um, Definitely a very cool experience. Yeah, that's excellent. And uh, so tell us what you do on like a day-to-day. One of the things you do on social media is kind of gun of the day um, that I've been seeing pop up on Instagram and anything else that you're involved in um, as far as firearms are concerned. Obviously, making an appearance there was awesome, and then you also made an appearance at the gun con, right? Yes. Yeah. People have been letting me talk a lot this year. It's been nice. pretty crazy. <laughs> I've been on several podcasts and then, um, GunCon was, it was the first event. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the gun collectives panel that he used to do at each, uh, NRA's annual meeting, but he took it, um, as a solo event this year and stepped away from NRA's annual meeting and put together GunCon. Um, and I got the opportunity to be on that panel, which is a very cool experience. Um, it was my first time talking in front of an audience, so <laughs> a little terrified, maybe stuttered a few times, but that's okay. Oh, that's um, outside of that, though, I did, I I don't know how it happened, but it was towards the end of 2021. I was talking about, you know, ideas for content because being on social media, you have to constantly keep thinking of, you know, things to post, things to do, um, and it's an ever-changing algorithm and really not, <laughs> really not my favorite thing to do, but... Sure. Um, I was writing down ideas and I was like, you know, I don't think I've ever seen somebody do a gun of the day, but there are so many different guns and daily we see 15 different variations of an AR or, you know, the same things all the time is what you get used to seeing. So I was like, man, there are so many different guns. Let's share a different gun every single day. And yeah, there's been a few different variations of AKs or ARs, but uh, a lot of the old stuff people are really getting into. Um, and it's been really cool to see what people are attaching themselves to or who has stories about their grandpa's this or that. Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's been pretty cool to post something different every day and see what people think about it. Yeah, I think it's great. And like you said, it's not something you see every day. And I think it was a perfect like white space that you could step into and, and certainly you do it very well. And, and it's always... Uh, interesting to see, you know, what you come out with on whatever day you're doing it. And so um, I I think that is true. There's so much nuance in the firearms world that transcends just whatever's the trend of the day. And so I think you do a great service to people, even bringing their attention to guns they might not have even known existed. So uh, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. And so since Knob Creek has gone away, much to everybody's chagrin and also mine because I never got to go there. Um, not for lack of want, but just lack of, you know, timing wasn't right in my world, but I always had the plan to do it. And like one of these days, you know, well, unfortunately for me, the one of these days never came, but you have something really exciting to announce about something along that line, right? Yes, I do. And you know, uh, what for what you were saying, I think a lot of people just counted on it always being here right. because it's been around for 50 years. Yeah, uh, it was an incredible event. And really, everybody was sad to see it go um, fall of 2021. But yeah, so pretty much since the announcement of the cancellation, the wheels have been turning. How can we carry something on uh, mm-hmm. to fill that void? Because, you know, that that was a twice a year event that all those people got to get together and you almost form like a family. But yeah, we've been working on um, the All-American Machine Gun Shoot that is coming this October uh, 14th and 15th in Lawrence, South Carolina. 
Nice. So very excited to announce that. And are there tickets available yet for that? If you want to attend. So, um, so our website, that has been, uh, that has been my headache, the tech side of things. Mm. Um, our website should be live this week. It would be allamericanmgs.com. Um, we will have ticket pre-sales. It's $20 to get in. Um, there will be other things going on inside. So like different things you can rent or shoot. Um, and then of course, uh, a gun show tent that'll have different vendors and um, all sorts of things to shop and look at. Um, but it'll be, like I said, $20 to enter. Nice. Um, and it'll be either pre-sale or you can get them at the gate. Okay. Awesome. And do you know how many people you're hoping to get, or you're going to cap it at a certain amount? Or, um, I, I honestly don't even know how many people attended Knob Creek. Like I, I imagine it was a lot, but uh, it was a lot, Yeah. <laughs> especially for the finale. Um, I think I heard it was like 23,000 people over mm. two days. Wow. Um, now, I mean, I can't say that I'm expecting 23,000 people, but how <laughs> oh, cool would that be? Yeah. Um, we're, we're really hoping for a first year event to see 1,500 people come through. Um, we're prepared for a lot more, though. Okay. Uh, we don't have a cap at this point. Great. But I'd love to find out what that cap is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll know it when you see it, right? <laughs> like, uh-oh, you know, <laughs> if the towns run out of hotel rooms and food at the restaurants, you'll know you, you met them. The cat, Let's but it, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good problem to have though. And Absolutely. I, I think everyone would be very understanding. Is it being the first year event? Like there's going to be kinks to work out or whatnot, but um, what a cool way to like, you know, celebrate freedom in America and, you know, provide an avenue for people who might not have opportunity to shoot those kind of guns, you know, wherever they are, you know, in the, in the world to, travel to and, and do that so what's the coolest gun like that you've ever got to shoot you know i've been asked that question quite a few times and it's hard because every single one is so different and it leaves a different impression on you right, right. um so i don't think anything feels like a modus mm. that's just incredible to shoot um i have gotten to shoot a minigun and that's i don't even know how to describe that it's <laughs> It's like the closest thing to a video game that I think I've ever shot as a real gun. Plus yeah. it's shooting like somewhere between 2000 to 6,000 rounds per minute, depending on which one it is. So right. pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that's something that's on my bucket list for sure, but I don't know if uh, I'll be able to afford the, <laughs> to feed that thing ammo. Cause <laughs> it'd be an expensive <laughs> 30 seconds, but uh, yeah, if you do 30 seconds, but Anyway, it's something I look into, I look forward to someday, but, um, yeah, so we'll have to talk for sure about, um, you know, maybe our participation of, uh, the all American machine gun shoot. That sounds amazing. And we used to have one in Massachusetts that, um, has gone away, uh, and mass has really made the laws very stringent here to actually own a machine gun and shoot one. But anyway, Rachel, I want to thank you so much for joining the show today. And uh, why don't you just tell people if they want to follow you once again, where the best place to go and check out your content would be. Yeah, so Instagram, Rachel B333, or YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at Rapid Fire Rachel. Rapid Fire Rachel. Awesome. Well, I appreciate everything you do for the Second Amendment community. It's great to have female advocates out there and, and, you know, doing a great job of you know, positive and responsible gun ownership in the community. We'll have to have you on the show again for sure. So thank you so much for coming on. 
Yes, absolutely. I feel like we just started scratching the surface. Right, so. right. So there'll be more to come, more to come. Stay tuned. All right. Thank you, and we will see you next time. But don't forget, you can get Rapid Fire swag if you go to rapidfireradio.us and get click on Get Rapid Fire Gear and support the Second Amendment in the process. So we will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Lee. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and this is your weekly show about guns and freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. So thank you guys so much for joining us. This is Rapid Fire, your 2A talk radio show where you can call into the show anytime, 508-444-2120. Include your first name, location, and your question. So go ahead with that. We have a question on the Rapid Fire line right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I'm calling in reference to the gun controls in Sweden, the safest country in the world, and every homeowner is required to uh, have a firearm when they purchase a house, which is issued by the Swedish government. Yes, I do believe even in Sweden there are machine guns, too, if I'm not mistaken. I might be mistaken about that, but... Um, it is one of, excuse me, it, uh, if you go to like a Wikipedia about, excuse me, uh, if you go to like Wikipedia or looking, uh, you know, online, uh, there's one site that says in contrast to the U S and other countries globally, a significant proportion of Swedes own firearms in respect to Sweden's gun laws. Sweden sits amongst the world's top countries with the highest guns owned per capita at about 23 per 100 population. So obviously if they require you to buy, own a gun that they'll issue you, if you buy a, um, house, then naturally the gun ownership is going to be high. I do believe you can be a conscientious objector and really, you know, not own a gun if you don't want to, if it violates your moral, whatever. Um, But naturally, as a result, um, gun crime, if you will, or violent home invasions and, um, you know, gun deaths, et cetera, 
um, are very low. In fact, they have deaths resulting from firearms in Sweden are below 200 casualties per year. Uh, And that was from 1996 to 2018. The most fatalities occurred in 2002 with 192, and the lowest were 127 in in, uh, 2013. Basically, if you look at, there's a town or city, if you will, in America that's like that, Kennesaw, Georgia, which has um, kind of a bylaw in the town that they require every uh, citizen of the town to have a gun. And Again, if you conscientiously object to that, you you can get an exemption. But but they actually do require it to be a a citizen of the town. And I think they, like, at one point they had a 20 or 30 year stretch of uh, drought of murders in that town. Like, it just didn't happen, right? Um, They knew that, you you know, people in the community knew you don't break into a house because everybody's got a gun. Guess what? You don't break into someone's house and people are willing and able and are armed in that community. Same with like Plano, Texas, which I think is still the gun capital of the country, uh, where it's basically nine point something guns for every resident of Plano, Texas. And it is an extremely safe place. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting statistic if you think about it. Um, it, you know, guns don't cause crime. And I remember the old bumper sticker, guns, guns cause crime like flies cause garbage, right? And that's exactly the truth. They are inanimate objects, they're tools. And um, so more on that when we come back. But remember to use this week's discount code LUGER at capegunworks.com. And you'll get a special discount on all of your web orders. It's a reward for our web and our radio listeners. That's code LUGER, L-U-G-E-R. So go right now to capegunworks.com. Thanks so much. And we'll be right back. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. SnapSafe, featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and thank you for joining us. We love talking about guns and everything about it. And I want to thank uh, Rapid Fire Rachel for joining the show earlier. Um, And we're going to jump on your questions. I know they've been rolling in here, and I 
going to take some time before the end of the show to make sure we get uh, get to the get to them. So uh, let's see. Uh, from the text line, Toby, to discuss steps of going through with any new firearm, how to load, clear, make safe, cleaning, etc., before firing. And two, Keith, to go over rules for legal transport of pistol, shotgun, bolt-action rifle, and high-capacity semi-automatic rifle, including minimum required case, soft, hard, lock, etc. Mike from Rochester, Mass. Well, thank you, Mike. Um, so going through any new firearm, how to load, clean, clear, make safe, etc., would be a long um, series of videos. We could probably do that for some of the more popular guns. Uh, that we sell here at the shop and after you've like taken apart and cleaned a few guns for the most part and this is a very broad generalization guns kind of take apart the same way but there are some very big exceptions to the rule um, especially when it comes to rim fires we used to get the old ruger mark threes in cardboard boxes all the time people would bring them in and say i took it apart to clean it i have no idea how to put this gun back can you guys please do it and we'd be like yeah sure we'd do a work order put their gun back together show them again and sure enough it would come back a few months later i did it again here just and you know that's even with the internet and youtube people just get frustrated and if it's too complicated so ruger came out with the mark four pistol which solved all those problems it was a much big better uh you know change that should have happened years ago if you ask me but anyway um So, and then we could definitely, we've had Keith on the show go over rules for legal transport of pistol, shotgun, bolt action rifle and semi-automatic high, you know, capacity rifle, quote unquote. Um, And so we could hit that again. Um, So yeah, maybe that would be a good couple questions to ask Keith. Uh, He's going to be on in the second hour today. And if you're only in for the first hour, you got to make sure you jump over to the podcast at rapidfireradio.us or capegunworks.com and you can catch the second hour if you're listening on the radio. All right, let's see. Um, Bonehead says, is this a bootlicking channel? I don't know what that means. And one of them followers of unconstitutional rule Definitely not. Or is this a I will not comply, no deal on any gun control type of channels? Um, I think that last part of the statement is a complicated statement. This I will not comply, comma, no deal on any gun control type of channels. I am absolutely on the latter half of that statement, a no deal on any gun control type of, you know, gun advocate i do not believe any type of gun control makes society safer i also do not believe that the constitution provides for any type of infringement upon your uh, right to keep and bear arms Um, i also want to back up a little to where it says this is a i will not comply Well, that's kind of hard to say in this day and age. If you want to go to a gun store and buy a gun, guess what? You're complying. You're going through the 4473. You're going through a background check. You're producing an ID. You're going, um, in some states, going to a licensing authority and applying for your license. You can't pound the table and say, I will not comply, and then go to a gun store and fill out a 4473. 
Like that's a contradiction of itself. You also can't say I shall not comply and then, you know, have um, your NFA item that you spent a $200 tax stamp on to get your suppressor, your short-barreled rifle, your short-barreled shotgun, etc. So that is the more complicated part of the question. How do you not comply and still be a gun owner in 2022? I could get it if you back us up 50 years when you could order guns through the Boys Life magazine or the Sears and Roebuck catalog or the um, JCPenney or, you know, through whatever other organization you'd order from. Or when you go down to the local five and dime store and pull a surplus war relic out of the oak barrel at the counter upon checkout and you say, yeah, here, five bucks, throw on the M1 Garand in the barrel. I mean, those are the good old days, right? Where there were no background checks. There were no 4473s. There were no um, license to carry or FID cards or firearms owner's ID card or a one gun per month card, you know, type of thing. So, but what do you think? 508-444-2120. And also that I shall not comply does, you know, matter a lot when you're talking about gun turn-ins or surrender of property or you know you're going to give up your ar-15 if they do enact a assault weapons ban down the road that i understand that part of the argument but you're already complying as a gun owner in this country if you want to continue to keep and own guns you're complying to a certain extent um do i think it's right no i do think we should be fighting to restore our freedoms and our rights in this country so um, and there's a lot of talk to, to be had about that. So, uh, and G. Webbs is saying, in his opinion, if they don't have the votes, this is going back to the first segment when I was talking about H.R. 1808 and H.R. 2814 being mothballed for the time being. It is time to act and work on challenging the 4473 Nick's check and the NFA from all fronts while they know they have zero support to defend them and other fights to worry about. Yeah, if right now they have to get elected and if their constituents see that they are continually voting against your rights and the restoration of those rights, then I think you're 100% on to something here. And this is the time to act, even though... Uh, the typical gun control I'm mean, the or the typical gun freedom advocate crowd is not necessarily in majority power. Um, I don't think that really matters in the grand scheme of things. It is an election year. Let's put them on the docket. And as far as your last part of that, G-Webs on the NFA, Madison Cawthorn did introduce a one-page bill that basically just says the NFA is hereby... Uh, disbanded or, you know, repealed. So the National Firearms Act that goes back to the 30s and regulates short-barreled rifles, short-barreled shotguns, uh, machine guns, and suppressors. I would love to see that whole jackbooted, <laughs> you know, if we want to use a 1992 term, uh, that whole arm of the ATF to go away. I don't think the NFA has any right to be in existence in this day and age. But that's what how I feel. Let us know how you feel. So the show ends here, but remember it goes on for another hour. So tune in at rapidfireradio.us 
and call and leave a message on the rapid fire line 508-444-2120 if you want to be a part of the show you can ask questions and check out some of our online content remember freedom is on the right side of history and always will be stay tuned and we will see you next time i'm toby leary god bless and we'll see you on the other side take care tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. 
Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Rapid Fire, a 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics. Tune in each week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. And now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line, which is 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. Remember to like us and subscribe on all of our social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks, except for Instagram, where it's CGW underscore backup. So we've had a pretty action-packed show so far. A lot of good news in gun world today. Um, and also, end of the last hour, we were talk- taking your questions, which we are going to continue with. Um, and uh, Massachusetts, well, let me just jump into this question because uh, don't agree to terms says, good time to get an LTC in Boston. And I would say absolutely it is. Um, interestingly enough, they are changing the way they issue the licensing in Massachusetts to comply with Bruin. And that should come as no surprise because they have to do that. But what does come as a surprise? Well, not really. This is my surprised face. If you're uh, watching on the radio, you'll know exactly what I'm doing. (laughs) But what I'm I'm trying to say here is... uh, This state loves to restrict your rights to keep and bear arms. So the legislative session last week has slipped into a bond bill, a uh, amendment number 13 to House Bill 5046, where it is changing what they, the excuse they use to slipping this into this bond bill is that they are trying to bring the state licensing structure or scheme into compliance with Bruin. And so by doing this, they put in this huge little amendment to their bill and they've struck out a lot of words like may and insert words like shall, like, okay, cool, I'm tracking with you, that's good. And then um, they're also striking out lines and inserting other words like permanent or temporary harassment prevention order uh, or similar issued by another jurisdiction. They're also uh, striking words like um, inclusive and putting words in that say reasonable exercise or discretion of the licensing authority that determines that. So in other words, they are striking out the discretionary uh, terminology from licensing authority. Uh, but one of the big things that they slipped in is they are changing um, the wording in the law that the license will be good for six years down to three years. So already, and this is why I'm piggybacking off that question, already that they issue a license that's valid for six years they cannot do it in compliance with state law, which is they must respond within 40 days. So under the current licensing scheme, they cannot respond within 40 days. I know some people have hit the lottery and got lucky. I heard of one guy getting his license to carry in 10 days. 
in Wareham, which is awesome. High five to Wareham for getting it done that quick. But most people, it's one to three months. And in the chat today, there's someone who said, I applied uh, six weeks ago and I'm still waiting. Does anyone know how long it could possibly be? So he's already been waiting six weeks, a month and a half, which is a lot longer than 40 days. And guess what? There, he's still waiting. So the there's no legal or financial imp- ramifications for the licensing authority to comply with the state law. And whenever we have Keith Langer on, who's going to be on in about 20 minutes with us, he always says, basically on day 41, you've been given a denial and you need to document your um, application process for you to be able to appeal it if you don't hear back in, in a timely manner. Well, I would say a timely manner would be one to three days, if you will. There's really no reason for this to take. In fact, they should even hand you the temporary license like you do at the at the Registry of Motor Vehicles so you can now partake in your freedom in this state and go down to uh, you know your local gun shop and buy ammo and, and buy a gun. But because they're making you wait a minimum of 40 days, uh, where it's supposed to be a maximum, uh, they are infringing on your right on a daily basis. If it takes longer than an hour for me to get my license, I'm already infringed upon, even though the law, the Constitution says shall not be infringed. Plus, there's the whole question of whether it's even legal under Murdoch v. Pennsylvania 1943 for them to sell you a license in the first place. I know there's been legal precedent in other states where the Supreme Court has even ruled that they can cover the cost of the licensing scheme, but it cannot cost a penny more than the actual cost of the licensing scheme. And so, but Murdoch v. Pennsylvania says you cannot charge any money for the exercise of a constitutionally protected right. So I I don't know how they're going to reconcile that. We'll see how it goes down the road, but... um, back way up to even the fact that we live in a state now that does require you to pay a fee and buy a license. And when they background check you and photograph you and fingerprint you and all that prior to even applying to or trying to buy a gun. Um, So they put you through this arduous process. I would say, yes, absolutely apply in Boston right now. And under this Amendment 13 that got slipped into the bond bill last week, um, they can no longer restrict it where Boston has notoriously restricted to restricted it to target and hunting. So that's something that um, I think you'll have in your favor right now going forward. Other towns have automa- have said they're going to automatically reissue licenses and uh, to anyone who has a restricted license, and it's going to get dropped. So that's good. So they are coming into compliance with Bruin, but guess what they're not dropping? Now they say that there's... Um, you know, they're taking the discretion out from the chiefs, but they put certain um, other things in there. Uh, so they're dropping the restrictions. They're dropping the chief's discretion, but they're still saying stuff like, um, uh, let me find it. It says something like uh, inserting in place. Yeah. Shall and blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah. So, it says, uh, inserting in place thereof the following words, in accordance with the provision of section 131, if it appears that the applicant is not a prohibited person or is not determined 
unsuitable to be issued a license as set forth in that said section. Well, wait a minute here. That's two different things. A prohibited person is what the Bruin decision said. Like, if you're not a prohibited person, you shall be issued a license or you will be able to carry a gun outside your home. But Massachusetts loves these dirty little tricks and they throw in or is not determined unsuitable to be issued a license. So who determines if you're suitable? So they're holding on, they're clinging on to the suitability clause that they just said they're doing away with. So who is determining whether you're unsuitable? And guess what? I don't see in the text, history, or tradition of the Constitution of the United States anywhere that it says, you know, deemed to be unsuitable or not determined to be unsuitable shall have their right to keep and bear arms taken away. It doesn't say that. Well, wait a minute, Toby. What are you saying? You want people who are unsuitable to have guns? No. I'm just saying there's due process for people to get their guns taken away if they are, in fact, unsuitable and committing acts of crime. There's already plenty of laws on the books. But what do you have to say about it? Call us or text us, 508-444-2120. And if you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license, unfortunately, that's what we're talking about. You still have to jump through the hoops in Massachusetts until it goes away because of Constitution. Um, but we have regularly scheduled LTC classes, including ladies only and couples classes. So sign up at capegunworks.com and we will be right back. I'm Toby Lear. offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Federal ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's federal ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal ammunition, a century of innovation. And we're only getting started. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your 2A talk show, where you can call into the show or text your question anytime. 508-444-2120. Please include your first name, location, of your and your question to 508-444-2120. If we don't get to your question today, we will do it next time. So uh, call or text 508-444-2120. So before the break, we were talking about the state's new attempt at this licensing scheme. And... Uh, it's pretty amazing that they are really gerrymandering this whole thing to basically end up with the same result. I wonder, though, and Firearms Policy Coalition in a couple of states have issued, you know, pretty stark rebukes to 
licensing authorities that don't get in line with the Bruin decision, um, they've been saying like, hey, we're going to sue you. Any licensing authority that violates somebody's rights, we're going to sue you. And guess what? Because you've been warned by the Supreme Court, you might lose your um, your immunity. So you might lose that immunity that protects you from being sued by the public at large. But there is a vast um, precedent and case law for people who conspire to restrict your constitutional rights. And uh, it's an amazing read if you go to uh, Firearms Policy Coalition website and look at some of the um, some of the legal action that they're willing to take and they you'll 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 see that they are really coming hard after people who will um, conspire to restrict your rights or to de- deny you your rights and I think it's phenomenal so um, we'll see how it goes um, you know there's going to be the courts are going to be busy for the next few years let's put it that way uh it's going to be non-stop legal challenges and uh i can't i can't wait to see what happens as typical courts like the en banc panel of the ninth circuit court of appeals has to make concessions and go back and look at it in a strict scrutiny of text history and tradition um in fact getting to california news the L.A. County sheriffs have already acquiesced. They said, we are no longer going to enforce assault weapons bans and magazine capacities. So that's good news. They're just kind of doing it like, yeah, we got the Supreme Court. that We don't have to wait for the Ninth Circuit to straighten out their mess. And unfortunately in California, the Ninth Circuit has taken some of it and dropped it down to the district court. So this is a play. Like they were... Their decisions were vacated and the Supreme Court remanded it down to the ninth, back to the Ninth Circuit. So what they did was they vacated their decision and sent it down back down to the dis- district court. So they're buying time. So they know what they have to do. It's obvious. But yet they're, they're still gerrymandering this or working and massaging the legal channels to work in their favor to buy more time. And I think that's a travesty because it's really proving the point that they don't, they don't care about actually solving problems. All they care about is miring you, the legal responsible gun owner in the minutia of how to exercise your right to keep and bear arms all the while, while laying the blame for all gun violence at your feet, which is insane it's totally nonsensical, but that's how they get the emotional buy-in um, by basically making statements like California with their one gun per month policy that they have. They're talking about how to um, people have to make a choice between buying a semi-automatic rifle or a handgun, and they're trying to make it a misdemeanor if you try to buy one of each in one calendar month, how is this making us safer as society? This is a person that has been background checked and swabbed to the point where, you know, they come out 
squeaky clean, much to the chagrin of the of the government who can't deny them their rights. And so by limiting this person to one gun a month, they make statements like saying, making our communities safer. Well, no, you're not. You're not making your community safer. If you want to make your community safer, lock the violent felon up and don't let him out of jail early, six years early, so he can go get a gun and convert it into a machine gun and with his brother go shoot 19 people. That's what would make our community safer is if you would uphold the law that you love to pass laws, but you just don't like to uphold them and enforce them. And so that's what would make our community safer. But all the while you want to put the blame where it it shouldn't be and try to emotionally whip people up into this thought process of, yeah, like if we can just keep guns off the streets or keep guns out of the hands of people, then we're going to be safer. No, you're not. No, you're not. If you, if that was the case, the most gun controlled areas of our country would be the safest places of our country, but they're not. 508-444-2120 is the number. If you want to text or call into the show, if you disagree with me, I'm okay with that. We can talk about it. Um, We don't need to uh, have this be an echo chamber. If you really think I'm off my rocker, call and tell me or text and tell me or send us an email or jump in on the chat. Let's do that real quick. Let's get to some more of your questions. Uh, Gun owners were gun nerds back in the day, so Ruger never saw a need to make it less complicated. Then as time went on, more novice gun owners gave them more reason to make it more simple. Uh, talking about that Ruger Mark III, I would agree with that. You know, people, you know, guns were probably more of a way of life back in the day. And, you know, people really got into the nuance of it. Um, so, yeah, that uh, <laughs> that is a uh, good point. Although, I still like technology making my life simpler. Let's put it that way. I like that. Um, And Smeggy says, thanks for keeping me company while I do yard work. Hey, man, happy to help. And I believe Smeggy is in the People's Republic of California, which I met a gun owner, I mean, another range owner in the People's Republic of California. We were comparing notes. He's from California. I'm from Massachusetts. And uh, he owns a couple of ranges and gun stores there. And uh, I remember, you know, the similarity as well as the um, the differences between each state. Like they have the one gun a month thing. They also have not had a gun added to their firearms roster, I, I think, since 2012 or 2013, which is crazy if you think about it. Um, and they said Glock is the only reason they still produce the Gen 3 is because of California. California attributes 40% of all of Glock sales. Think about that. I'm talking Gen 3, 4, or 5. 40% of all the Glocks sold are California, and they're, um, that's a huge market share. And they can only buy Gen 3 Glocks in California. We can only buy Gen 2, so California let it die. But anyway... Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy if you think about it. Um, so hopefully the whole approved weapons roster will go away. Um, but that would be, that would be uh, awesome to see. So anyway, that was interesting to compare notes. He wants to get a podcast going, so we're going to probably help him do that. He said he'd fly out here and have 
you know, a couple of training days with some of my staff. He says he's an expert uh, firearms trainer. But anyway, all right, we got Chris from Plymouth on the line. Go ahead, Chris. You're next on Rapid Fire. Hey, Toby, I just uh, wanted to call in and say thank you. I'm enjoying your show and ask you, um, what do you think it would take in Massachusetts um, for them to get rid of this ridiculous uh, magazine capacity restrictions and get back to standard capacity magazines? Um, I mean, is it is it strictly uh, Maura Healy? Um, you know, I, I question her her whole authority with the, the roster right here, different explanations of her, her roster versus the, I think like the public safety roster or, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that. But I'm just, I'm just curious. Like I was pretty excited when, when uh, Bruin uh, came to be and hearing it and wondering how it was going to affect, you know, me and my wife and, and our, um, you know, daily, um, you know, carry habits. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, happy to, Happy to help you out with that. Um, thanks so much for the call, Chris. Um, the Here's the thing. It is eventually going to, I think, win the day. Uh, the Bruin decision is going to win the day. That's why I say the cl- courts are going to be clogged up for the next 10 years. But we're going to have states like Massachusetts, which are going to say, shall not comply with Supreme Court ruling. And I said this yesterday that tyrants look at the Constitution as a roadblock, an obstacle, an impediment to what their agenda really is. And first, they have to disarm people in order to really bring about their their global changes that they want to see made on on our, our country level. And uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, Chris, but we got um, Keith Langer coming on after the break, so we got to clear up the line for him. But um, hopefully, you can hear the hear the uh, answer. Um, so I do see the magazine capacity ban going away over time but i don't think it's going to happen in the next year or two so i'm not going to tell you pump the brakes on buying those high cap pre-bans and you know because next month you're going to be able to buy um magpoles i don't see that happening um it's going to take time but hopefully uh it'll happen sooner rather than later and we got to kind of fire it through the system our own way here in massachusetts because the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals decision isn't going to affect us. So anyway, Veterans Top Shot is online and open and ready for your team to jump in. It's the shooting contest this fall at Cape Gunworks, and it supports great uh, veterans charities. So go to TopShotInvitational.com to sign up today. We're looking for four four men and women teams. That's TopShotInvitational.com. We got Keith Langer on the line next, so you don't want to miss it. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. This is the Voltec VT10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. 
The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong. And Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, freedom, and Second Amendment and self-defense. And we actually have Keith Langer on the phone, who's been away for a little while uh, on a much-deserved vacation, I presume. But welcome back, Keith. How are you today? Not bad. How are you gentlemen today? Good. Um, We're doing great. And uh, I didn't know if you had heard anything about this H.R. 50.0 whatever it is, H.R. 5046 or 50... Yeah, it's now H-0, H5046, and the real issue is Amendment 13. Right. The bill itself has absolutely nothing to do with firearms licensing. Right. It has to do with improving technology in the courts, and the hoplophobes in the legislature saw this as an easy vehicle to ram this nonsense through. Right. So what are the high points of it? Obviously, the moving it from six years to three years, which, like, I already can't keep up with demand. Let's make it twice as much. That's a great idea, isn't it? And in addition to doubling your costs and increasing the workload on the departments and the CHSB, now this would require you to have an actual interview with the chief. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. Like, I noticed they're also striking out language like chief's discretion and law enforcement, uh, enforcement uh, official discretion. But then they throw in the line of um, if the applicant is not a prohibited person or is not determined unsuitable to be issued a license. Where where does that come from? I mean, obviously, they're clinging on to the. Uh, suitability clause of the licensing uh, that they, under the current scheme. and Well, they're giving lip service to Bruin. Right. They're removing that nonsensical, wide-latitude, broad discretion that was inherently uh, arbitrary and capricious. Mm-hmm. So they got that, so they, they did the nominal compliance, and they're removing all reference to any restrictions. But now they've um, altered the supposed objective criteria that we got in 2014 about the reliable and credible information that the applicant 
exhibited or engaged in behavior that suggests, how's that for vague, that suggests if issued a license, he might create a risk, or existing factors that suggest if issued a license, he may create a risk to public safety. So now they've tightened it up a little bit by saying reliable, articulable, and credit information that the applicant or licensee has exhibited or engaged in behavior that suggests. Again, that vague word that suggests if issued a license, the applicant or licensee may, more vagueness, may create a risk to public safety or a risk of danger to self or others. So anytime you say may or if, you're indulging in fantasy, prognostication, and outright guesses. Right. And that's the exact language that they have to take off for the actual licensing scheme itself, but they're slipping it into another area, the same word. Well, they they just tightened it up in the same section, but the fundamental vagueness is still there. Yeah, reliable, articulable, and credible sounds great. Mm. But then it's if issued a license. He may create a risk of public safety or a risk of danger to self or others. I would want something actually substantive like constitutes a preponderance of evidence that the applicant would create a risk of public safety as opposed to vague may anything may happen right how about um, may is just pure speculation yeah the i think uh the the Bruin decision, as I read it, I didn't get all the way through however many pages it was. It was pretty vast, but the, I didn't it's see sick. I didn't see anywhere in there that left the door open for anyone who's not a prohibited person to be denied a right to keep and bear arms. Did you? I haven't waded through all of it yet, and there is language about. We're not taking it away from the states entirely. I was looking for the key phrase as to standard of review, because my opinion was always that you're dealing with an express fundamental right. It's in the Bill of Rights. It doesn't get more fundamental than that. It's not fabricated from a penumbra of privacy the way the abortion and birth control decisions were. This is an express enumerated enumerated right. It cannot get more fundamental, and therefore the standard of review should be strict scrutiny. I'm not finding that phrase actually in here. Mm. They're talking about historical analysis. Well, you know what? Strict scrutiny is a term everybody who studied con law understands. Historical analysis, well, then you've got the brief the amicus brief from the so-called historians and linguists who want to teach us history and what the meaning of arms were in the 1600s. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of quotes. I've been reading them a little bit on each show from our founding fathers who should settle the argument of what they meant back in the early 1800s or late 1700s. It's pretty obvious when you read their quotes that are outside of the, you know, text of the, like, if you really have to sit there and you want to parse this out about what this means, what that comma is, what the article is of the subject in the the sentence structure, 
Like all you got to do is read some of the the founders statements and it's pretty emphatic about what they actually meant. In fact, Noah Webster even talked about it. He said before a standing army can rule, the people must be disarmed as they are in almost every country in Europe. The supreme power in America cannot enforce unjust laws by the sword because the whole body of the people are armed and constitute a force superior to any band of regular troops. And he said that in 1787. Um, So it's pretty obvious what the heck, you know, historians and founder, you know, what they meant back in the day about what the right to keep and bear arms was. It was, you know, not this, um, you know, government-sanctioned militia or arm of the military. That doesn't need to be enumerated and written down because every government in the world history has always had a military that's been armed. Like, this is the, we're talking about the arms of, you know, people. And Heller and McDonald echoed that with what's common and ordinary in its use. So anyway, um, I, There's I, something else in here that people have not necessarily noticed in that litany of uh, prohibiting uh, conditions in section 131 paragraph D, they've inserted a new one quote, a permanent or temporary harassment prevention order issued pursuant to Chapter 258E or a similar order issued by another jurisdiction. A restraining order under 258E is second cousin to a Chapter 209A restraining order, the difference being that 209A is, under Massachusetts' very vast definition, a family member. 258E is not a family member. So if you get into a protracted beef with your neighbor, they're not coming after you under 209A. They're coming after you under 258E. But there's no relief for it. So if you've ever had even a temporary prevention order issued under 258E, under this amendment, you are barred from ever holding a Massachusetts firearms license. Wow. So they threw that in there. And I see that it says... 258E or a similar order issued by another jurisdiction. So there's that vagueness, that vagueness again. Um, So by striking out the vagueness of May, they are inserting all kinds of other vagueness into this bill and saying, yeah, but we're just complying with Bruin. It's a, it's an amazing, uh, you know, you want to talk about the gun people who slam the desk and say, shall not comply. How about the government that says shall not comply with Bruin, right? Because that's really what they're doing. They're dancing around it. Well, we've had a number of states doing that. New York declared outright war on the decision and is going to great lengths to appear to comply while violating it. So you have to go to court again. California, you heard what Gavin Newsom said. New Jersey appeared to say, okay, we fold. But now they're coming back with different things here. Massachusetts said, okay, we'll get rid of the language on restrictions, Mm. which they did. That's gone. And we tighten up the criteria for statutory disqualification, which is reliable, articulable, credible information. And then they tighten it up a bit, but it still has suggests that may create a risk to public safety. You still have this absolute vagueness. Then you combine that with the fact that they've halved the license period, 
So now the state gets twice as much opportunity to find that you may create a hazard. Now, let me ask and you And there's this. something else that they inserted. Now, in criteria, things that may make you risk, in addition to the litany we had before, quote, poses a risk of danger to their self or others by having in their control, ownership, or possession a weapon, feeding device, or ammunition. Well, if we didn't have a firearm or ammo or a magazine, why would we need the license? It's almost an a priori condition. Mm. And are they coming for their steak knives, too? If they feel they're a violation of, you know, it could potentially be a could potentially be a threat to themselves or others. They're going to come. Well, it would certainly qualify as a weapon. It it does. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's it's more of the tangled minutia that they love to to uh, weave and impose upon you know, the law abiding, trying to do their best to comply with laws. But let me ask you this. And they snuck it in with legislation that has nothing to do with licensing that's coming in under an emergency order because the courts will collapse if we don't get this technology yesterday. Right, right. So Firearms Policy Coalition has issued a uh, couple letters to certain um, jurisdictions, one in California, uh, in San Francisco to the police and sheriffs and basically saying, stop enforcing your unconstitutional uh, concealed carry weapon policies immediately. And they say that if they don't, they're going to sue them. And in some cases, I've seen uh, other uh, groups, uh, I think it was GOA, um, threatening to sue some police department. And they said, because you're violating someone's constitutionally enumerated rights, and we have this Bruin decision confirming that, you will lose your uh, qualified immunity and can be sued and held personally and severably liable because you are not, uh, because you are conspiring to um, hinder someone from enacting their constitutionally enumerated rights. Do you see that as a legal uh, tool in the toolbox to be able to go after people who will continue to, um, you know, restrict like our mass legislature? Well, qualified immunity exists when the police supposedly don't know that what they're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Even when it's like stealing money from drug dealers during a bus. Because that's been held to be protected by qualified immunity because nobody told them you're not supposed to steal money from drug dealers during a bus. Got it. So what the policy center is doing is making it very clear that this is something that the police should know because of the Bruin decision. Right. So they're setting the framework. Now whether a court will accept that and strip the police of qualified immunity, well you don't know until it goes to court. But that is clearly what they are trying to do and it is a clever tactic. Yeah. Well, hopefully they'll be successful, or hopefully the police will say, we're not going to apply with these unconstitutional laws. But thanks for your thoughts on this, Keith. As always, we appreciate your input. Have a good one, gentlemen. Yep, you too. If you travel or you want to get a license to carry in multiple states, you can check out our Utah 36 state concealed carry class. You get everything you need to apply for the Utah license. At the end of the class, go to capegunworks.com and click on the class link to book the classes today. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire.
If you're looking for legal protection, text CGWMA to 281-603-0066. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from U.S. Law Shield on self-defense insurance. Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. This is your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And, uh, you know, tyrants want a tyrant. That's the way, I, that's all I can say whenever I read what they're doing. Um, you know, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing when you see it happening. Uh, 508-444-2120 is the number if you want to call the show. Leave a message any time of the day or night, or send us a text, 508-444-2120. I I think uh, Chris, the earlier caller, was also alluding to the assault weapons ban, et cetera, et cetera, and it it would be really good to see that challenged out here in the First District Court of Appeals, or the First Circuit Court of Appeals, I should say. And, uh, you know, we had a lawsuit that went all the way to the Supreme Court a couple um, terms ago, if you will, and it got rejected and wasn't heard. In fact, the court punted on all 10 of those uh, gun cases, and Clarence Thomas opined that the Second Amendment has become a second-class right or or disfavored right, I think is the exact terminology. And, um, you know, I've also heard the theory that they didn't know if they had the votes because... John Roberts was the outlier. You know, he really was, you didn't know which way he was going to go. So they wanted to make sure um, once they got one more Supreme Court justice confirmed that they knew they'd have a solid majority, whether or not John Roberts, uh, whichever way he went. Um, So that seems to have been a, a good tactic, especially when you have a ruling like this Bruin decision and Clarence Thomas got to, write the opinion, the majority opinion. And I I know that what's in the syllabus, um, or it, let's put it this way, I've been talking a little bit about, um, on other shows, about Brett Kavanaugh writing a concurring opinion where he talks about the first court's, uh, the decision does not prohibit the licensing authority. That's not in the majority opinion anywhere. So, I think that that is not going to hold the same weight or water as the Bruin actual Bruin majority opinion decision. So um, that's really good news. So even though uh, Kavanaugh wrote that in a supporting opinion, it doesn't hold the same weight or water as the actual ruling itself. So 
um, that's pretty good. Um, I hope that eventually we will see a the whole licensing scheme go away and the entire country become a constitutional carry country with borderless carry as far as states are concerned. Like there's no reason I have to check the lo- local laws of every state in the nation if I'm going on vacation or going on a drive. And there's no reason I have to lock my gun in the trunk of my car where it's unloaded separate from the ammunition in a case as I transport my gun from one state to the other. That's ridiculous. I should be able to carry my gun, get in my car, and drive across state lines to whatever state I want to go to. And that should be the way it is. That's how it is with your driver's license, right? Everyone loves to compare, oh, you got to take a driving test to get a driver's license. Oh, you know, there's all kinds of restrictions on licenses, and you got to get a license to drive a car, even though driving a car is not an enumerated right. I do believe it is a civil right. Cars weren't invented then, but um, I had a little bit of an online argument once with a guy who said cars are not a privilege. They are a right. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're nuts. Like, and I went back and forth with him, but I think he actually won me over because he said that freedom is really freedom, right? The rights of freedom extend to everything and the government was smart enough to at least put the most obvious on paper but a free people doesn't ask permission right we don't have to ask permission but it just goes to show how overly regulated we really are in this country and we have acquiesced to the point where now we ask permission to do anything it's ridiculous Don't forget to check out Date Night every Friday and Ladies Night on Thursdays or try our range experience package. No gun license is required for any of those events. So check it out at capegunworks.com. And more after this, you're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated legendary performance this is hornady if you're looking for legal protection text cgwma to 281-603-0066 text cgwma to 281-603-0066 for a special offer from u.s law shield on self-defense insurance Text CGWMA to 281-603-0066 to get a special offer from U.S. Law Shield today. SnapSafe, featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And I am fighting with a keyboard battery that is dying. So I have lost my E and my C, so I can't type back into the chat. I wanted to reply to someone in the chat, and I can't. But anyway, um, let's see. Someone was asking, 
Uh, would it be legal to buy a newer 15-round magazine from a friend in New Hampshire and use or possess it in mass? And Keith Langer chimed in and said, no, so-called large-capacity mags are uh, must be pre-banned to be lawfully possessed here, even though that is completely and utterly unconstitutional. So hopefully someday we will be able to have freedom, like California had Freedom Week, right? When that Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals judge uh, Benitez issued, you know, and ruled that they were unconstitutional. The magazine ban was unconstitutional. So they had about a week where every magazine was on Earth, planet of Earth, or within the continental United States that was at a distributor was immediately rerouted to California. And millions and millions of magazines entered the state for that week. And then Benitez issued a stay on his own decision a week later. And then it went to the en banc panel where they overturned it. And then Bruin has vacated that decision. And, you know, the Supreme Court has vacated that decision and said, you must look at it with strict scrutiny now. So I can't imagine it's never going to go away here in Massachusetts because of that decision. But part of me wished that they didn't vacate all these decisions and send them back to the lower courts. I wish they had just ruled on it and said, yeah, we're going to take this case. They granted him cert and then... They should have just ruled and said, look at Bruin under strict scrutiny with text, history, and tradition. Nope, you can't ban them. So it's now the law of the land. Instead of sending it back to the Ninth Circuit, knowing there's magazine restrictions in Maryland and Hawaii and Colorado and uh, Massachusetts and New York, New Jersey. And so it would have just cleaned up a lot of loose ends. Let's put it that way. Especially court systems who have an interest in not wasting court's time. Like we could be using the court's time more wisely if we just tidy up all the loose ends instead of remanding them and sending them back. Now, obviously, if the court has a desire to do the right thing according to the Constitution, they could make this go away very quickly. But they don't have that interest and they uh, they really could care less. So the bottom line is, they're actually now looking at ways to string it out and make it go further along. So, um, yeah, that stinks. But anyway, let's um, let's see. Get back into the chat here, and um, I think I got up to date with all those. Uh, HPS is telling me that the Sports South show is going on right now. The I show is going on. Thank you for the heads up. I'll have to check that out, and. Um, so let me see the second half of that question about, uh, oh, did I even, yeah, about the magazine capacity. Um, so let me get to the back end of that question as well. <clears throat> Thanks for your time. And I listen to you on Tuesdays with Grace on WRKO. Keep up the great work. All right, cool. Well, thank you for that. Um, Rob, I appreciate it. And HPS says, I think I'm liked in my city because I made the call for my daughter to go in. And a week later, she went in. And one week after that, she had her LTC. Yeah, good news. Um, some, some, you know, licensing authorities get it. I'm not saying they're all trying to make it hard for you. A lot of them are like, this is ridiculous. And yeah, we're going to issue you the license as soon as humanly possible. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that all licensing authorities are bad. They're not. And I think that... 
um, some of them feel like they are restricting your rights or infringing on your rights uh, just by them having to do what they have to do. Um, But they have to do it according to state law and if they want to keep their job. Uh, So anyway, um, G. Webbs is saying he thinks it would be a cool chat to hear of, of the talk between the shooting range in California versus Mass. You know what else came out as a result of that conversation was I already mentioned that Glock represents 40% of their sales in the state of California alone. But he said if their uh, weapons roster ever went away, that there's not enough guns in the country that would satiate or satisfy this, the the demand for these guns in California. He said every shelf would be bare at every distributor in every manufacturer in America for probably a protracted period of time. If they could make the one gun for 30 go away and make their weapons roster go away. And you think about it, like this is the law of unintended consequences, right? Like you want to keep people from buying guns because safety, right? Because makes our streets safer, which we all know that's a bunch of malarkey. Um, And once you're, gun licensing or your gun infringement scheme or your gun confiscation scheme, whatever you want to call it, gets found unconstitutional, you have created this pent-up demand that is, I mean, it's comparable to an enema, you know, like (laughs) happening in the state of California. And this guy who's been running this range for years and really has his finger on the pulse of what's going on in that in the state of California said there's not enough guns in the country right now in distributor in distributors or manufacturers coffers to satisfy what would happen if they can buy whatever gun they want and as many guns at a time as they want. So that is, that's a pretty interesting thought. And um, I think that's, going to be sad for the rest of the country for a while it's going to be like you know when you couldn't get guns from anywhere during the last two years because of covid and you know uh, supply chain issues and everything else for the rest of the country but when everybody's redirecting their guns to california for forever but i don't know obviously they're going to meter it out but it's going to become like this allocated status for just about every gun in the country for a while you know so that's how big the demand is in california that's how big um their uh their demand for guns is there and if you uh think about it like somebody was telling me that um you know the the largest rep group or the largest uh rep or district sales manager for smith and wesson is the guy who oversees california and the guy who has Texas has like Texas and like several other states as well. So even gun Texas doesn't quite meet the need that California has. It's the it's the basic um, free freedom that resides in all of us. Like it's a part of the fabric of our nature that when you tell us we can't have something, we want it even more. Like that's basic human nature is... No, you can't have it. Well, what, do, what am I going to do about that? I'm going to try to figure out a way I can get it. Because it's ridiculous that you're telling a free man who's not a 
law, uh, who, who doesn't break the law and isn't the problem, that he can't have a legally enumerated, you know, a constitutionally protected item. It just doesn't make sense. So anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And remember, the show ends here, but we have past episodes galore. We're in our third season already. Uh, so if you go to rapidfireradio.us, also leave us a message or send us a text at 508-444-2120. Remember to keep up the good fight in your local community and be an advocate. Take someone new to the range uh, and put on the face of responsible gun ownership in your community. Together as Americans, we can overcome anything. I'm Toby Leary. God bless. And this is Rapid Fire. We'll see you next week.